Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Heart of Stone, Chapter 3. The restaurant Clark took Keeley to was one of the most exclusive in town, famous for seafood. Keeley was worried that she was dressed too casually for such a grand place, but she saw people dressed up and dressed down for the evening out. She relaxed and followed Clark and the hostess to a corner table. They were seated and provided with menus. Keeley had to bite her tongue at the prices. Any of one of these dishes would have equaled a day's salary, but Clark just gave her a grin and told her to order what she wanted. They were celebrating. She was wondering what they were celebrating, but he wouldn't say. Keely had eaten earlier, so she just had a very light meal after she finished. She wondered if he was really the food that drew him here. He couldn't take his eyes off the waitress who took their orders, and the waitress blushed prettily when he stared at her. Do you know her? Keely asked softly with the waitress when the waitress went to turn in their orders. Yes, he said, I'm in love with her. Immediately, Keeley called Boone's attention toward his siblings becoming involved with someone from a lower economy class. He'd been vocal about it in the past. The look on Clark's face was painful to see. She knew without asking that he was seeing the hopelessness of his own situation vividly. Is she the one you took to supper at the ranch? She asked, remembering something she heard from Winnie. He nodded. Boone was polite to her, but later he asked me if I was out of my mind. He sees all working women as gold diggers who can't wait to marry me and then divorce me for a big settlement. Not all women want money, she pointed out. Tell Boone he doesn't know. That woman he goes out with seems to be obsessed with it, Keeley muttered. She doesn't count because she's rich in her own right. Yes, she's beautiful too, she added with more bitterness than she realized. He studied her across the white tablecloth with its fresh flowers, candles of her. Think about him. Would a man like Boone stick his head in the same noose he escaped once? That woman walked away from him when he was lying in a hospital with sharp male wounds that could have killed him. She didn't like hospitals. She thought he might be crippled, so she gave him back his ring. Now she's in San Antonio and wants to go back to where they started. How do you think Boone feels about that? For the first time, she felt a glimmer of hope. Your brother doesn't forgive people, she said softly, is what she said to once to Winnie. Exactly. Much less people who stick pins in his pride. Then why is he taking her around with him? Keely wanted to know. He's right. She's beautiful and she has a polished manners. Maybe he's just lonely and he wants a showpiece on his arm. Or, he asked, maybe he has something in mind that she isn't expecting. She wants to marry him again, but I don't think he wants to marry her. And I think he's got good reason for going out with her at all. God knows what it is, Keely murmured. God does know. He probably doesn't like it either. You think Boone is working on revenge? Could be. He doesn't often share his innermost thoughts with Winnie or me. Boone plays his hand close to his chest. He doesn't give anything away. What was he like before he came home wounded? She wanted to know. He was less somber. He told her. played practical jokes. He laughed. He enjoyed parties and he loved to dance. Now he's the total opposite of the man he used to be. He's bitter and edgy and he won't say why. He's never talked to any of us about what happened to him over there. You think whatever it was is what changed him so much? You know, I miss the brother I had. Can't get close to the man he's become. He avoids me like the plague, more so since I brought Nellie home with me for supper. He gave me a long lecture on the dangers of encouraging hired help. He was elegant. So you're uneasy about taking her out on a date? I'm uneasy about fooling out, Boone finding out that I'm dating her, he confessed. Which brings me, he added with a glance, to the solution I need your help with. Why do I get the feeling that I shouldn't have agreed to come here with you? I can't imagine.
He leaned toward her, smiling. But if you'd just cooperate in my little project, I'll return the favor one day. She noticed that Nellie, waiting on another table, was sending pain looks toward Clark, who was uh, oblivious to her interests. This is upsetting Nellie, she pointed out. Not for long. I'll speak with her before we leave. Listen. You're my best friend. I need you to be a friend and help me divert Boom from guessing how involved I am with Nellie. We're going to pretend to get involved if you game. Involved? Listen here. Boone already thinks I'm sleeping with Bentley thanks to my mother. He won't believe I'm turning my attention to you. He hates me. Seriously. He'll go out of his mind if he thinks you're serious about me, and he'll stop it any way he can. I'll lose my job, have to stay home. My mother will drive me crazy. Your mother will be thrilled if you go out with me because I'm rich. Clark said starting. She won't cause trouble, and Boone will spend his time trying to think of ways to get you out of my life, unaware of what's really going on. Boone isn't stupid, she worried. He's gonna wonder what he's seeing me. I'm poor. I work at a menial job. I'll take care of all that, he said, smoothing it over. All you have to do is to pretend to find me fascinating. He grinned. Actually, I am fascinating, he had. Not to mention highly eligible and charming. She made a face out. But my brother can't know it's not for real, Clark added seriously. He's got control of all my money until I turn 27. Then I get to my trust. That's next year. I can't afford to take him off just yet. But I'm not giving up Nellie. <laughs> he glanced toward the young waitress who blushed again at his interest. Almost overturned a trade looking at him. You have to help us, he told her. You help Bailey and he's just a dog. I'm kind, thoughtful man who treats you like a little sister. That's it. Play on my heart streaks, Killy muttered. He went, Come on. It will drive Boone nuts. You know it will. You'll love it. <laughs> Thinking of the way Boone had treated her, she had to admit that the deception would pay dividends in the form of revenge. But Boone was a formidable enemy, and Keeley was uncertain about making one of them. That was funny, considering his hostility and condescending attitude toward her. He was rid of me already. I'll save you if it gets too rough, he promised. She knew it was a bad idea. She was going to regret giving him. If I agree to do it, I have to tell Winnie the truth. She began, no, he said to me. Winnie can't keep a secret, and she's afraid of Boone, too. If he puts on the pressure, she'll tell him everything she knows. Keely Grimman, I just know this is going to end badly. But you'll do it, won't you? He asked with a cordial smile. She sighed. She grimaced. Clark had been her friend as long as Winnie had. He'd helped her out of a half a dozen scrapes involving mother. Okay, she said at last. He grinned from me. Okay, now. How about dessert? Before they left the restaurant, he introduced her to Nellie and explained to the waitress who Keeley was and what her place was in his life. Nellie brightened at once. She was glowering when Clark added that Keeley was going to be the red herring so that he and Nellie could go on dates without Boone knowing. Keeley noticed that the other woman was very demure and meek, and Clark seemed to love that attitude. But Keeley noticed something that he didn't. There was a flake glint in Nellie's eyes that didn't go with a meek demeanor demeanor she couldn't help but be apprehensive maybe nelly's allure for him was boone's disapproval in many ways he only just started to try the boundaries of his big brother's control and nelly had to know that the family was rich she was a working girl like keely if she turned out to be a gold digger keely could stern to be burned at the stake by clark's older brother for her part in this she wished she refused she really did <laughs> They were very late getting home. It was one o'clock in the morning when Clark drove up at Keeley's front door. Till that moment, she hadn't remembered her mother's vicious words. They came back with cruel force when she saw the living room light still on. She didn't want to go inside. If she had anywhere else to go, she wouldn't set foot in the place. But her choices, like her salary, were limited. She had to live with her mother until she could make better arrangements. Clark was watching her with open sympathy. She probably doesn't even remember saying any memory. Drunks aren't big old memory. 
She glanced at him curious. How would you know that? He hesitated, hesitated for only for a minute. After Boone's fiance threw him over, he went on a two-week bender. He didn't remember a lot of things he said to me, but I've never forgotten any of them. The crowning jewel, he added with a taunt features, was that I'll never measure up to him and that I wasn't fit to run a ranch. Oh, Clark, she sympathized. She could only imagine being a man and having Boone as a big brother to try to live up to. Those were very big shoes to have to fill. He sobered up and didn't remember anything he said to me, but words hurt. Tell me about it, Keeley sympathized. He turned her. We're both in the same boat, aren't we? We're people who don't measure up to the expectations of the people we live with. Winnie and I think you're great just the way you are, she replied darkly. He laughed surprised. Really? Really, you've got a wonderful sense of humor. You're never moody or sarcastic, and you've got a big heart. Her eyes nodded. If I told you that Bailey needed emergency care immediately, you'd have packed him into the car and taken him right to the vet. He said, yes, I guess I would have. Boone thought it was a pitiful plea for attention on my part, she added sadly. I guess my mother said a lot of things to him about me. Apparently. She doesn't like you, does she? The feeling is mutual. We've sort of stuck together until I get a raise or a second job. How would you manage a second job, he asked. Getting away from my mother's constant abuse would make me manage. I can't imagine living in a place where nobody makes fun of me. You could work for me, he suggested. She shook her head. Thanks, but no thanks. I want to be completely independent. I figured that, but it didn't hurt to ask. She smiled. You really are a nice man. I'll pick you up next Saturday morning. We can go riding at the ranch. We might as well make a start at getting on Boone's nerves. He had a little dry chuckle. That's take all his bullets away before I get there, she pleaded. He's not so bad, he told her. She sure, sure he sure he isn't. The front door opened and Keely's mother came out on the porch. Who's a, who's that out there? She drawled, hanging on to one of the supporting posts. She was wearing floral silk slacks with a fluffy pink robe. Her hair was disheveled and she looked sleepy. Don't pay her any attention, Keely advised Clark with a sad little sigh. She doesn't even know what she's saying. I'll see you next Saturday. Thanks, Keely, he told her with a sincere infection. She's right. You do it for me, she said and smiled. Good night. Good night. She got out of the car and walked up the porch, shaking inside, dreading another confrontation with her parent. She tried to walk past Ella, but the older woman stopped. Where have you been, she demanded. Keely looked at her for the first time. She didn't back down, even though her knees were shaking. Out, she replied tersely. The older woman's face turned. Don't talk to me like that. You live in my house in case you forgot. Not for much longer, Keely grinned. I'm moving out as soon as I can get a night job to go with my day job. I don't care if I have to live in my car. It will be worth it. I'm not staying here any longer. She brushed past her mother and went into the house, down the hall, into her room. She locked the door behind her. She was shaking. It's the first time in memory that she stood up to her abusive parent. Ella came to her door and knocked. Keely ignored her. She knocked again, with the same result. Ella was sobering up quickly. It had just dawned on her that if Keely left, she'd have nobody to do the chores. She couldn't even cook. She'd been able to avoid help until the past two or three years, but she was facing a drastic reduction in her capital due to her bad business decisions, and there was something else, something more worrying that she didn't dare think about right now. I didn't mean what I said, she called her to her. I'm sorry. You're always sorry, Keely replied then. No, this time I'm really sorry. There was a hesitation. Keely started to weaken. Then she remembered her mother's track record and kept quiet. I can't cook. Ella yelled through the door a minute later. I'll starve to death if you leave. Buy a restaurant, was Keely's driver toward. With what Ella was thinking, but Keely's light went off. She stood there weaving, her mind dimmed, her heart racing. A long, long time ago, she cuddled Keely in her arms and sung lullabies to her. She loved her. What had happened to that soft, warm feeling? Had it died all those years ago when she learned the truth about her husband? So many secrets, she thought. So much pain. And it was still here. 
Nothing stopped it. She needed another drink. She turned back down the hall toward her own room. She could plead her case with Keeley tomorrow. The there was plenty of time. The girl couldn't leave. She had no place to go. Had no money. As for getting a second job, how would Keeley manage that when she worked all hours for the vet? She relaxed. Keeley would stay. Ella was sure of it. Saturday morning, Clark came to pick up pick her up to go riding with him at the ranch. She'd done that several times with Winnie, but she'd never done it with Clark. Winnie and Boom were usually both home on the weekend, but Winnie's red VW Beetle was nowhere in sight when Clark drove up in front of the stables with Keeley beside him. He got out and opened the door for her with a flourish. Boone, who was sitting on a horse on his own on the barn, stopped with a saddle in midair to glare at them. Oh, Dear, Keely muttered under her breath. He's just a man, Clark reminded her. He can't kill you, but he can't eat you. Are you sure? Boone had put the saddle back on the ground at the gate that kept his favorite gleaning from leaving his stall. He stalked down the brick aisle toward Clark and Keeley, who actually moved back a step as he approached with that measured, quick, dangerous tread. He leaned over them, taller even than Clark, and looked intimidating. I thought you were flying to Dallas today, he told Clark. Clark was intimidated by his older sibling and couldn't hide it. He tried to look defiant, but he only looked guilty. I'm going Monday, he said, sounding like an apology. I brought Keeley. She's going riding with me. Boone looked down at Keeley, who was staring at her feet and mentally kicking herself for ever agreeing to Clark's hair-brained scheme. Here's you now, Boone moves coldly. He glanced at Clark. Fetch me a blanket of attack. For tank from the tack room, will you? You can ask Billy to saddle two horses for you on the way. Clark brightened. His brother sounded almost friendly. Sure. He grinned to Keeley and moved quickly down the aisle of the barn toward the tack room, leaving Keeley stranded with a boon, with Boone, who looked oddly like a lion, confronted by a thick, juicy sting. Tell Clark you don't want to go riding, Keeley, said to and ask him to take you home. Right now. First her mother, now Boone. She was tired of people telling her what to do. She looked up at him with wide, dark green eyes. Why do you care if I go riding with Clark? She asked. I go riding with Winnie all the time. There's a difference. She felt threatened. Then she felt insulted. She met his dark, piercing stare with resignation. It's because my people aren't rich or socially important, isn't it? She asked. It's because I'm poor and uneducated. Yet a taunt me. Her face called. I have a diploma for the work I do. She stammered. You're a glorified groomer, Keelan. He said finally. You hold dogs and cats while the vet treats them. Her old body taunted. That isn't true. I give anesthesia and shots. He yelled up a hand. Spare me the minute details. He said sounding bored. And we can't all go to Harvard, you know. She muttered. And some of us can't even face community college. She shot back. You had a scholarship and you threw it away. She felt sick. A scholarship that paid just for textbooks, she corrected, and only half of that. How in the world do you think I can afford to pay tuition and go to classes and hold down a full-time job all at once? You could give up the job. She laughed humbly. My mother would love that. Then she wouldn't even have groceries. His dark eyes said, Do you pay rent? Her big, soft, green eyes met his. I do all the housework and all the cooking and cleaning and shopping. That's my rent. Who buys her liquor? He asked with a cold smile. Intercede through negligees. Keely's face went scarlet. He was insinuating something. He was there asked a question without words. Stuck his hands in his pocket of his jeans, pulling the thick fabric torn over the hard, powerful muscles of his leg. I dropped by your house to thank you, belatedly, for getting Bailey to the vet in time to save him. He said curly. You weren't home, but she was. She answered the door in a see-through negligee and invited me inside. The shame was overpowering. She averted her face. Embarrassed, he said. Why? Like mother, like daughter. I'm sure you wear similar things for Bentley. He had her with a honey-drip sarcasm. She couldn't manage to reply. 
His opinion of her was painful. She loved him secretly for years, and he could treat her like this. He wouldn't even give her the benefit of the doubt. His lack, her lack of response made him angry. Why well, should also make him feel guilty was a question he couldn't answer. You keep away from Clark, he said. I don't want you going out with him. Do you hear me, Keeley? It's just for a ride. I don't give a damn what it's for. He snapped, watching her body tense. Their eyes grow frightened. That made him even angrier. He stepped toward her. Was infuriated when she backed up. Backed up. Get out of Clark's life. Today, he told her in a grounded undertone. She felt her knees go weak. He was intimidating. She couldn't even force her eyes back up to his. She was so tired of being afraid of everyone, especially of Boone. Before he could say anything else, Clark came up with a blanket. He was going to... Boone's got the horse's saddle. He's bringing them right up. Boone glared down at Keeley. Then Keeley wants to go home, he said. You do? Clark explained, surprised. Keely drew in a quick breath, stepped close to Clark. I'd like to go riding, she replied. Clark glanced the boat, whose eyes were black as jet. What's going on? He asked his brother. Do you really mind if I just take Keely riding? Boone glared at Keely as if he'd like to roast her on a spit. He glared at his brother, too. His lips made his English. Oh, well, Boone bell. Do what you name well, please. He turned and strode out the barn. Apparently oblivious to the blanket Clark was holding out, and the saddle he left sitting at the stall gate. His long, quick strides were audible on the paved floor, echoing down the aisle. Clark ground his teeth together as he watched Boone's departure. I hope he doesn't run into any of the men on the way to wherever he's going, he said with a visible misgiving. Why? Keely asked, relieved that Boone hadn't said anything more. Suddenly there was a distant voice, a sharp curse, and the sound of water being splashed. Oh, boy, Clark said heavenly. Keeley stared down the aisle. A tall, dripping, wet cowboy came in the barn, sloshing water as he walked. He was wearing... He was wringing out his felt hat, muttering. He looked up and saw Keeley and Clark and grimaced. What happened to you, Riley? Clark explained. The cowboy glowered. I just made a comment about how good you and Miss Keeley look together, he said defensively. Boom, picked me up and tossed me into the water trough. Clark Exchanging glance with Keely, she had to bite her lip to keep from laughing as the cowboy passed on down the aisle, muttering about his freshly laundered clothing and having to go right back into the washing machine. He headed out the back door of the barn toward the bunkhouse beyond. Poor guy, Keely said she looked. Your brother has a very nasty temper. Yes, he drew her breath. Well, it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be, he added his mind. Let's go for a nice ride and pretend that my brother likes you and he can't wait to welcome you into our family. To miss, Keeley said and grinned. Boom was gone when they came back from the lazy ride around the ranch, but Winnie was just putting her car into the garage. She drove a cute little red Volkswagen Beetle. Her pride and joy because she was paying for it herself. She came out of the garage frowning. She didn't even notice Clark and Winnie at first, not until she passed right by them. Right by the barn. What's wrong with you? Clark called to her. She stopped, glanced at them, and looked blank. What? I said, what's wrong with you? Clark repeated as he and Keeley joined his sister near the coral. Bad day of work? Keeley asked sympathetic when he was silent. I had a little upset with Kill Raven, she muttered. Keeley's eyebrows were, what sort of upset? When he grimaced. I didn't mention the ten 
32 involving and a 1016 physical. She said describing a possible weapon involved in the domestic dispute. The caller said he said her husband was drunk, had beaten her up in front of the kids, and was holding a pistol to her head. The phone went dead, and I dispatched Killer Raven. I just managed to get the caller back on the phone, and I was listening to her while I gave him the information. The caller was hysterical, so I got rattled, and I didn't tell him about the gun. When he got to the address I gave him, he had a 45 caliber cold automatic shoved into his face. Killer gun. Was he shot? No thanks to me, was it? When he submerged, I was also supposed to put out a 10-3, call for radio silence while he went into the house. I messed up everything. It was my first shift working all alone with my, without my instructor, and I just blew it. My supervisor said I had gotten someone, I could have gotten someone killed, and she was right. She burst into a skill raven call for backup and talked the man out of the gun. God knows how. Though the man was in the custody on the way to the detention center, kill raven called me on his cell phone, said that I. If I ever sent him on a call again, left out vital details of the disturbance, he'd have me fired. Keely hugged her, muttered sympathetic things while Clark patted her on the shoulder and said that it would be all blow over. When he blew her nose and wiped her, I'm going to put in my resignation at the police station and at the 911 dispatcher should come home. She said, I'm a menace. Kill Raven said I was taking up jobs that some woman needed desperately. Anyways, that a rich woman who got bored should find some other way to entertain themselves. That's harsh, Clark. I'll have a talk with him. When he looked up at her sweet brother through tear for Are you kidding? Kill Raven makes Boone look civilized. Well, we can ask Boone to speak to him. Clark compromised just as when he was starting to answer him. A Jacksonville police car came flying up the long driveway and skidded to a halt in front of the barn. A tall, black-haired, powerfully-looking policeman got out and stalked toward them. Uh-oh, what he whispered going pale. Who's that? Clark asked. When he took a breath, Kill Raven, she said heavenly. End of chapter 3